This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be a guy who's just trying to get through, I don't know, tomorrow without seeing the stardom results. Uh, Joined by, hmm, we just talked about this last week, didn't we? Uh, Mike, joined by Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Um. I'm doing better than I was when we were doing the Revolution Retrospective on Sunday. Uh, the Revolution Retrospective on Sunday, uh, available exclusively on the Everything Elite Patreon. I was basically on the verge of a emotional, mental, and psychological breakdown. But now, I, I'm, at a th- I'm at like this, like my mental health meter is at okay, but it's probably really about a six right now. So I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Pudge is sleeping behind us, so I'm pretty happy. Congratulations. I'm very happy to hear it. Uh, we're also joined by Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up? It's me. I'm Nate. Uh, what I've learned this week um, is that Mike on the verge of a mental, psychological breakdown is not super dissimilar from just Mike most of the time. <laughs> uh, and that's not to say that he like seems like he's breaking down, just like he didn't seem like he was particularly out of sorts on that show. But apparently Pudge putting him through the paces. Well, uh, that Nate, you are other than your your plants. I am led to believe you are not a pet owner. Uh, that's correct. I, I do not own a pet, uh, but I do consider my plants my family. Yes, exactly. So I was talking to Aaron about this. Uh, so puppy horse story. Aaron knows I'm go with this. Um, it, it it's been a real situation with him. Uh. He is a very sweet dog. He's finally started to adjust to being on the in the compound, you know, up in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. But it was a really rough, pretty much through Monday. That the, there was one time where I basically was combing dingleberries out because he did not get a haircut before they sent him home with me. <laughs> so I, I I came like straight into like, oh, this is what's going on here. And I've had dogs before, but it just was like it's been a while since I've had a puppy. So well, you never want to be coming dingleberries. I know that. Um, yeah, I don't, the, the maybe the one drawback to doing the show live after Dynamite now is you know trying to think of oh what have I what have I done recently that I can have a nice little tangent at the top of the show and it's always oh no I, w- I went to work and then I came straight home and, and watched Dynamite and now I'm <laughs> on the air. Yeah, I I uh, shut off work at like four thirty so I could start watching the startup show. So I just watched wrestling straight from like four thirty <laughs> till just now. Not a I mean, that, uh, that's gonna be my weekend pretty much, other than taking Pudge to classes because Dragon Gate has a show tomorrow morning. They have a show Saturday and Sunday. Revolution is Sunday, and then it's back at it again. So sometimes you just completely like just realize, oh, everything is wrestling. I'm getting some requests for succulent updates in the chat here. Uh, my succulents are are unchanged, pretty much the exact same condition they've been for the last, I don't know, eight to nine months. Uh, but I did. That I'm, is the idea. 
<laughs> yes. Um, so I, I was just having a crisis earlier that uh, this this long plant that I was gifted, the one you might have seen on my fleets, my Twitter fleets, that has the really big leaves with holes in it, uh, just keeps going vertically. And not at all, like there's no new sprouts coming out of the soil or like it's not spreading toward the sun. Uh, it just keeps going vertically. So it's like leaning against my wall in my living room right now. But it's going to get top heavy at some point and just like not be able to <laughs> support its own weight and collapse onto my floor. And then I don't think it'll be able to get the necessary sun. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to have to come up with some complex rigging system for my holy leaf plant. Well, as soon as as soon as Chelsea listens to this episode, I'm sure she'll give you some ideas of ways that you can fix this. Might, yeah, I might have to send. Uh, I took a picture earlier to text someone else. So I might have to send Chelsea a picture. I did also. I bought a second uh, 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 planter gimmick, indoor garden gimmick. Uh, so I'm just turning my bedroom into my own little tea harvesting station. I'm gonna harvest some tea and ship it off to Mike so he can drink for his tea break. I would absolutely love that. Oh, what what do you have growing right now? Is it just black tea, green tea, red tea, some um, oolong or herbal? Uh, I'll have to check the box. There's three different varieties of tea leaf in the pods. Uh, but then in between the tea leaf pods, I just put chili pepper pods. So I'm kind of hoping there'll be some cross-pollination. That's not actually going to happen, but the idea is uh, interesting to me. Folks, Chelsea is listening live. Okay, <laughs> there we go. She says there in the chat, have you looked up pruning tips to the species specific? The species specific. Um, no, although the person I texted the photo to earlier did text me some kind of instructions and I didn't click on them because I was too lazy. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, there you go. I, I, I forgot to mention this probably because of my sleep field delirium when he brought the click and grow. I got Drew one of those for Christmas. And I have yet to hear how his... Uh, his click and grows have gone. Oh, so we got to check in with Drew on that. Might have to do a Patreon special. I, uh, I, I, I do I mean, enjoy mine a, a fair amount. It's pretty nice to come into my bedroom and have like fresh blooming flowers in there. It, it, it's something that like when I saw this thing, I was like, this thing makes perfect sense. And it, it's, it's like a nice like thing and it's aesthetically pleasing. The device itself is aesthetically pleasing. Yep. So it, it, it if we ever did the EE gift guide, I feel like that we would have the click and grow planning apparatus as part of the, yeah. uh, of the guide. I feel I, like I, we I, should definitely do an EE gift guide now that you <laughs> now that you mention it. I, I, I mean, it, it's something where I Wait, probably... Wait, that's, that's a great Patreon episode where we can... Mm. Yeah. Guide. Well, I, uh, I, Final Fantasy VII Remake PS5 version was just announced. So yeah, that's coming out in June. Okay, stop giving away Patreon content. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's all, you know, that's that's the only thing I gift, and the only thing I am gift is plants and video games. Well, it's nice to have uh, living things and imaginary friends. All the same. I did. I bought myself a bunch of new winter hats because Nordstrom was having a sale. Ooh. So I got I got a couple of these these penguin guys. Oh, yeah. He's showing penguin. it to the camera right now, folks. Yep. Uh, a couple, couple colors of that. I got a Sprite one. Sprite, as in the drink. Yeah, just the Sprite logo. It's a green hat. Okay. You're I feel a... like I feel like Sprite is maybe like the strongest brand as a. I mean, obviously, that's maybe that's not the right word. Strongest. I don't know. When you think of Sprite, you think of like refreshing NBA players, right? Or I guess the commercial with Drake, where he's a robot that's decomposing. 
It's, it's, I guess just particularly the, the McDonald's Sprite meme is very strong and vivid in my memory. I have no frame of reference to the McDonald's Sprite. Oh, meme. wow. Okay. Uh, I would say just Google it. It's, uh, it, it's going a few years back now. But uh, if you've ever drank a Sprite from the fountain machines at McDonald's, then I think you'll get the picture pretty quickly. Up. Uh, <laughs> it, we're, we're doing this live uh is that like how in general like the idea was that mcdonald's has a like certain like something with a cup that makes the fountain drinks taste better because the same thing has been said about like mcdonald's like coke and diet coke um maybe i haven't heard that uh particular permutation of it i think generally the idea is just that uh it, it it's mcdonald's sprite is so overwhelmingly effervescent and fizzy it's like some kind of chemical concoction sure yeah it's uh yeah i don't know aaron mcdonald's sprite have you had it had a friend uh in high school who was able to drive you know before the rest of our friend group so he would drive us to he would like pick us all up and drive us to school and we would leave early enough to stop at mcdonald's and every morning i would have uh two mcdonald's egg and cheese biscuits and a, a mcdonald's sprite there you go. Um, I was my my first thought with where I would go with that is, oh yeah. See, the joke would be like, oh, McDonald's Sprite is so uh, uh, fucking potent that it might count as breaking edge. That would be like one. <laughs> uh, but the more interesting I think thing I think is, last week I think you said entering college you weighed like 140 pounds or something. 120 pounds. 120 pounds, which is pretty remarkable if you're eating two McDonald's egg and cheeses every morning. Uh, just fucking remarkable um what's the thing everybody says is the reason why they're skinny um uh, uh um uh, metabolism. metabolism metabolism you know who's Just, got a heck of a metabolism tell me a mutual friend of ours <laughs> who, who? <laughs> aaron taub obviously uh, yeah he does because that motherfucker loves he just fucking snack. eats all the time big tree <laughs> i was thinking we we were out in new york with that guy and it was like oh yeah i'm gonna stop over here and grab you know, five dessert items. It, it, Give me it a break. Was, it, it was something <laughs> that if he ever wanted to do so and launch his own business, it is a treats tour because I did not have as great of a cacophony of tw- of treats as I did during the WrestleMania weekend and when when it was AT, the Bentleys, and I exploring uh, New York City. And I think about that monkey bread a lot that we had. So when we were in Japan, Aaron would literally be like, uh, well, okay, what are you guys doing? I'm going to uh, get on the train and go over here because of this treat that I heard about. Yeah. And I'll, I'll meet up with you guys later. Okay. Yeah. And it was like squid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. See you, Aaron. I do. I, I do think about um, me and Aaron went to a sushi place. That was probably the best meal that I've ever had. And I had sushi yesterday and all I could think about was, oh man, that sushi place and whatever it was <laughs> up down Tokyo. Oh, what a world. Um, I completely fucked my metabolism by gaining all that weight in college. Oh. It, uh, yeah. Also, I got old. I guess that didn't help either. Sure. Right, I stopped hear... playing soccer, and that did it for me, so yeah. I understand. If you want to hear more by, about my metabolism, make sure you follow us on Twitter, every at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Light the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast, please. Give us a five-star rating and review if you use the Apple Podcast app to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, uh, the best way to do so is to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. 
it's a huge month over on the Patreon, folks. So great time to get in. But let's get into the show. Uh, I think we had suggested we didn't actually talk about it before the show, but I guess it's just what we're going to do. So let's talk about the opening match, folks. I don't know. Maybe, Nate, that would have been your elite pick. Would it have been your elite pick? Yeah, I think it would have been my elite pick. Okay, yeah, so we're that. playing elite or delete. Nate, oh. what's what's your favorite pick? Fa- favorite thing from the show this week? <laughs> okay, so we did discuss breaking the format, and you just said, "I guess we're going to break the format," yeah. uh, and then we affirmed that, and you said, "Okay, we're going into the old format." <laughs> well, at first, I made sure that was going to be your pick, so we would still talk uh-huh. about it first. Okay, you see? Yeah. I so just... my suggestions are dirt, basically. No, it was a good suggestion. What, where I fucked up was I should have asked you before the show if that was going to be your elite pick, and then right. this would have been smoother. But instead, here's where we are. See, but now you don't it's, have to come up with another episode. one. Yeah, no, I do appreciate that because now after I do this, then I can just conk out for the next twenty or whatever. Uh, yeah, opening match: Shaquille O'Neal of the uh, ma- Mafia. What was it? <laughs> Uh, Diesel Dog Mafia, <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal, the Diesel Dog Mafia, teaming with uh, the the Sprite, the McDonald's Sprite of the women's division, Jade Cargill, against Red Velvet and the American Nightmare Cody. Uh, what a spectacle this was! I have to say, it pretty much maxed out. I think its potential pretty much exceeded expectations in terms of what Shaquille O'Neal was able to do in the ring. Uh, and I was, you know, capped off most amazingly by him taking the big bump through two tables, them exploding in grand fashion. Uh, it, you know, everybody losing their minds on Twitter, but a lot of great stuff to dig into in this match. Shaquille O'Neal doing the uh, Brody Lee tribute power bomb, Pretty sick. Uh, Jade Cargill getting the win and, you know, just looking like a star flexing all the time uh, throughout the match was pretty entertaining. It, it was kind of, um, I guess, maybe a little bit disjointed in kind of the way you would expect, but not in any way that detracted from the actual enjoyability of the match. I think if you're a casual fan tuning in for this, you know, and you see, uh, you know, Jade Cargill missing a little kick or, you know, Red Velvet, you know, seemed like she's a little out of control or whatever, like not really a big deal. It's kind of like it's a celebrity match. It's kind of built into your expectations, I think. Um but yeah, just a great way to kick off this show. Felt like a huge event. The crowd showed up big for it. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. It was just like, you said that like there was like some flubs and there was like some things there. I think that added to that match a whole lot. Like, there's no reason why Jay Cargill should be a silky smooth Utami Hayashishida just prodigy. You know, like, whereas Utami, like, had her debut and immediately went into the five-star Grand Prix. Look at me, like, learning my Joshi, Aaron. I I, I feel pretty impressed with myself right here. But, <laughs> but like, Jay Cargill, like, the idea of that she's a cross-sport athlete coming in and is getting by and exceeded in a lot of ways with her physical prowess and just, like, she she has a command as a rookie that you don't often see and especially within this company, like well, uh, we extol the, the virtues of your Anna J's, your your Tay Conti's, and others. But the, the, there is there was a period for like both of them that there was a growing period that like at least like physically charismatic wise, Jade had it from like a moment. Like when Jade came out on on stage, it was like oh, so 
she is a star and that never that quality never went away from when the bell rang to her her doing her own version of the glam slam like i dug that that is her finish like it looks physically impressive her just completely uh doing the double the i I forget what, what technically it's called when you do like that but basically doing the tiger suplex lift into a front slam i thought that that rocked and you know Shaq for playing a for, for doing his role and like being a wrestler here he shouldn't be someone that is just completely like with it he should be he's a former nba center he should be lumbering he should be someone yeah, that like and he was lumbering when he was an nba center right yeah so so it's not like suddenly everyone's like oh shaq is now suddenly a like an athletic wrestler no he he, he did like classic big man stuff he was obviously a, he was obviously a key in I, I I thought that the Brody Lee uh, jackknife powerbomb rocked. I thought that that was great. And then you had Cody who knew what to do with this, someone in the situation. And the thing that we talked about, Aaron, was like the big crux here was how much is Red Velvet going to uphold her end of the bargain? Because Cody and Shaq played out to the highest level of what I thought Cody and Shaq could be. Like I thought that the idea that Shaq doing like those huge like palm slaps in the corner was awesome but like the thing was going to be if red velvet and jay cargill if like when you got away from like the uh, uh, the, the carnival atmosphere of seeing shaquille O'Neal versus cody rhodes in the ring what's going to be the match between jay cargill and red velvet and with someone who is having their first match on live television and i felt like that red velvet more than acquitted herself well and i thought that it's a match that i would not give a star rating to but i think that at the end of the year like this is going to be a match that i think a lot of people are going to come away from and when they're doing like match of the year polls they're gonna be like you know what that match was special and it's going to make people's lists and like that was my thing like i came away with this thing like this was a special match and it felt like a special match and it felt like an event and it's something that i think that in american wrestling nowadays we don't have a lot of things that feel like specific events so i really enjoyed it for that my only disappointment was that uh jade didn't beat the shit out of cody that's really i wanted to see that that didn't happen but of course there's still plenty of time for that to happen Uh, i guess you know i just kept joking in the discord about wwe apparently passing on jade cargill i mean the fucking two-bit college athletes they hire in that place who can't do shit on the microphone or in a ring and they pass up on this person who is just you take one look at her and it's like it doesn't matter if she's any good as a wrestler because she's got everything else going on for her but she happens to be at least passable as a wrestler it appears so i mean superstar uh they should do the 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 china push with her except uh without the dick jokes they should Uh, do the goldberg push with her yes essentially yeah for sure she should beat everybody i i mean i'm not actually going to criticize this but at the beginning of the match i was like she should not sell any of red velvet's offense (laughs) you know she should just uh kick the shit out of everybody and uh yeah be the not just the champion but like the supreme leader of the of the women's division i think so yeah it was great uh but see this is great because we already did your elite so i can just I can go right into Mike's elite. I mean, it's actually, it works out pretty well. It's pretty smooth. I, I mean, <laughs> I like the idea of having like the big topic and then getting into other stuff, but it, right. it, it, this, this still workshop in it here. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we're, 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 I just we're, fucked it up. 
I mean, I, I, did I say that you fucked it up? No. Well, I'm just... well I, I'll suggest that he fucked it up. <laughs> okay, there we go. There, there, there yeah. we go. I, I just uh, do the assistant. Uh, this is like such a interesting show because it had a very big rhythm to it, like a very like fast rhythm through like probably the first hour or 15 minutes of it. And then the last three quarters, basically after the end, of the women's eliminator tournament kind of like went to a screaming halt in some ways. And, but the thing that like, I really came away with this show thinking, all right, given like how they're trying to get a lot of other things on the pay-per-view over anticipation of that, the idea of doing the video package for the exploding ring barbed wire death match main event between John Moxley and Kenny Omega and getting a sushi Anita in there and paying the man his money to do a video versus having him in Jacksonville, which ask CZW what happens when you try to have Onita come over. I felt like that the entire video was awesome. They had a bunch of stuff from FMW and Onita and just like going into this and especially for a a North American or international audience that's not used to how big this match was for Atsushi Anita and FMW and also IWA Japan but like imparting that and using that as the build because like we've already had enough interactions over the last really history of the promotion between Kenny and Moxley so we, we didn't really need to go there in that well again whereas in other feuds they constantly go back to a certain well so choosing the fat to ch- choosing Choosing the facet of the feud you want to highlight on the go home show and not having either of the guys on TV, by the way, and, but focusing in on the match stipulation and doing a video like that and having Sushi Anita in the video, I feel like that it absolutely knocked it out of the park. That, that was something I was like, you know what? I'm glad that AEW has a willingness to visit history that's not their own. And they visited a history that, you know, not a lot of people outside of like the hardcores of the hardcores would know about the Japanese 90s deathmatch boom and fe- featuring it, I think it was awesome. Yeah, that kicked ass. Uh, you know, very happy surprise to see Onita show up in this video. They did a good job up and down this show of just having fun little appearances and cameos and stuff that make you, you know, just sit up in your chair and go, whoa, wasn't expecting to see that person. And then if you're a casual viewer that tuned in for Shaq, maybe, you know, that that sustained some of your interest throughout the show, but made it feel big and special. I did especially like in the video that it was, um, I don't know, done over Zoom or something, or Onita talking to his webcam. Uh, so it kind of took on like a, just like a CD quality that made it match the actual match footage. It's like, here's Onita sending us a secure message from his bunker underneath uh, I don't know, the Japanese diet. Um, and then it's like, and here's some CD footage that could be from a Faces <laughs> of Death video of him blowing up. Uh, just added to the whole aesthetic in a fun way, I thought. Um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I've said throughout the history of this promotion, really, that they've really done a good job of saying, hey, the WWE does not have a monopoly on wrestling history. Um, you know, wrestling history belongs to all of us, and we can... Uh, point to that and you know uh, uh, pay homage to that and have fun with that as well and when they do something like this it's like oh yeah there's a whole fucking universe of wrestling history that the wwe would never even acknowledge uh and that's worth something too and we're going to highlight that and have fun with it yeah it was such a blast seeing 
uh, Shaq, Onita, and J.J. Dillon all on one television show. Uh, a lot of fun. And it was wild that it felt like, you know, the reason they had to give us uh, Sting and Taz 12 weeks in a row was that they were saving all the angles. They were saving everything up for this show. Uh, for some reason, it feels like they, I mean, I know they always want to sell their pay-per-view, but it sounds like, or it felt like they were giving the very hard sell for this pay-per-view, really trying to get out of that 100 to 105,000 buy uh, rut. So we'll see if they're able to, but yeah, all those parts of the show were great fun. My elite pick, a uh, very simple one. It was the the Women's Eliminator final. If you've been following along on the Patreon when I've been uh, breaking down these uh, women's tournament shows with great guests, including Nate as one of my guests. Uh, I did say the other night that I was worried about this Nyla and Mizunami match. It just wasn't quite sure what it was going to look like. Uh, and it delivered perfectly. I guess I just, I mean, it seemed so patently obvious once it was happening, but I hadn't considered that uh, Leo Mizunami is maybe a perfect television wrestler. <laughs> well, I did kind of bring that up when I was on and said that, you know, when she's on a no fans show in an empty building, yeah. that's like the worst circumstances she could be in for what she does. Uh, and yeah, I think in this, in this match, she showed that, Oh no, you know, her, her oversized personality and giant flashy coat and stuff, you know, plays really well under the bright lights. And uh, she got the crowd behind her too. I I'll always remember like my normie wrestling fan who like still watches WWE, like to this day calls her Okada's cousin to me because <laughs> She she was the standout member of the six man match on the double or nothing first pay per view, and ever since he's like, oh, I really like that Okada cousin. All right, well there you go. It's something where she was so that like this match, like they basically had a pay per view, like their pay per view style women's matches. They basically had that on TV, and it came across incredibly well. And uh, the the fact that Jr. was like, all right, I like Ryo Mizunami when you would definitely be like, okay, he's going to say something. Just, just it's just going to go straight out of his mouth, no filter. And he was like, no, I think that it's a lot of fun. And I wonder what she's doing with this dancing. And then she does the corner clothesline. And he's like, okay. And it just was like a, it was a really exciting match. And then uh, that did not feel sincere to me when Jr. said that. It felt like Jr. was like, what is she doing? And then he realized. Oh, people are going to say that I'm being negative. And he's like, oh, she's having fun. I like it. It, <laughs> it, it, it felt funny to me. But he had a lilt in his voice that he usually does not have when he is like mm. burying something. So maybe. maybe that's why it came off to me like it was more sincere. But and, maybe and he just has COVID. <laughs> I mean, but uh, <laughs> that, that is a symptom. The, the voice lilt. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the face-off between her and Hakarshita afterwards, and by the way, real what a worker move by Mizunami making sure that the trophy's nameplate faced towards the hard cam, so all the photographers again. She's someone that has been dealing with this her entire career. She's like, no, we're going to do it this way, so it, so that the photographers don't have to like make a gesture and have to do it now. I know what to do for this. But then her and Shida just clocking each other and smiling before the match. Just that just owns like that. That was something that I was this as soon as this was the likely possibility. I was like, all right, this could be a really cool match if it happens, and I'm stoked that they. For Further built up on my enthusiasm with that post-match segment. A, a very weirdly booked tournament, a very weirdly handled tournament as far as like TV versus YouTube versus Bleacher Report. Uh, certainly not the final that any of us predicted. Certainly not the winner that any of us expected. But a fun match. Uh, certainly uh, an excellent final. 
And now I'm excited for Mizunami and Shida. So uh, at the end of the day, like, obviously this is easy to say now, but it's like, okay, this makes sense. Like Mizunami is somebody who can spend some time, hopefully, here. And I think we talked about this on Light this morning, Mike, but the idea that you can have Mizunami win as like a transitional champion and then save a big match for Shida down the line. But it's also an easy one to just feed the Shida and Shida continues her reign. So either way, uh, it works out and it should be good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the match. Um, uh, certainly, I think more than. Well, I don't know. I really, I, I have enjoyed the last couple of Mizunami matches, also. So I was going to say it might have been the best one of the tournament, but I really kind of enjoyed the last two, also. I, I, I just the finish of the Ajla Kong match um, is very uh, enjoyable to me. Uh, but yeah, I kind of, I kind of think you want to stick with Shida as the champion, just because I. I don't believe in doing uh, championship changes just for the sake of doing one or just to change things up. Like, I, you know, I would like a new champion to like be a meaningful accomplishment that's been built. Um, you know, maybe this is the most that they can build up of a new women's title challenger because uh, this is the part where I complain, you know, they don't give them enough time to really uh, get a whole bunch of juice behind something anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it could go either way. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Um, it's just it, the only way, <clears throat> sorry, that it makes sense to me is if they want a new champion, but they don't want that person to beat Cheetah uh, and they want to work that a, a different way. But I don't think they put that much thought into the women's division right. for, for it to matter. So, yeah, I would expect Cheetah just moves on. Yeah, and I kind of feel like, I don't, you know, if you want Britt Baker to be your champion, you can just have Britt beat Cheetah. I don't think that hurts her you know i think that would be good they would probably have a good match so yeah i don't know if it makes sense for that perspective but hey i hope uh, i hope rio catches on and you know has some success here uh because it's you know it's been her been her dream to do this and it's uh kept her from retiring from wrestling so would like to see that work out for her our listener elite comes from swarls who says paul white playing the role of a gigantic gene ogerland teasing us with scoops uh, or it has as has been said on Twitter, a gigantic rover teasing us with scoops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was it was very rover esque because not only did he tease the scoop, but he said, I want you all to know that I knew before you. <laughs> it ruled. It ruled. Yeah, it's so I, good. I, everything about like that segment, like he comes off like, and this is something that as soon as it set in, I was trying to, to like impart that like he is a genuinely kind of affable person. And he has a sense of humor that might not always translate, but it's much more there than he was able to show it beforehand. So, yeah, no, no, I, I'm bi- I'm a big fan of he's actually from South Carolina. I was going to say Tampa uh, or like Central Tampa Paul or so that'd be CT Paul. But yeah, that did, that got away from me. I bet you the best of us, buddy. It's OK. I did his joke that, uh, you know, Tony, you knew me back when I had a bright future. That amused me. Um, I was also I'm trying to think of what the modern equivalent would be of the night that uh, Hulk Hogan went on WCW and burnt a copy of the Wrestling Observer in a trash can. Um, <laughs> and he called the, it the rag sheets. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to get like somebody coming out and showing us their phone as they block her over it or something. <laughs> uh, that's good. All right, let's move on to the things we didn't like from the show uh nate what would you delete from this episode uh so yeah a a couple of 
issues. I'll, I'll, so the direction I think was not superb on this show, um, which has been the case, I think on a number of recent shows, uh, just a number of missed spots because the direction, the camera focus was on something else uh, or cutting to shots where we're looking at somebody's back for much of the action and something is getting obscured. Um, in particular, like in the first match, you know, Jade Velvet, um, <laughs> Red Velvet hit a big spear on Jade Cargill. Let's see, Jade Velvet, Red Cargill. Um, and they just missed it because they were still staring at Shaq on the outside when really it could not have been more obvious what spot was about to come. And it should have been a big near fall and it just didn't land at all because the director missed it. Um, and, you know, we've been lucky that they, <laughs> I guess we haven't been lucky. A silver lining of the reduced crowds is we don't get a bunch of annoying fan reaction shots to things that are happening in a match. Um, but I am kind of already dreading the return of those when they get back to touring and shit. So, they did some tonight? They did some, but, it, you know, it's been reduced. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you can always count on them, like, the Judas sing-along and shit. Not a fan. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think this is something Mike's pointed out, that they also have these really good shots they don't go to all the time. Like, I know there's a big uh, camera on a crane that's on the corner that they almost never use. Sometimes they do a really good job of using that overhead camera. Um, like when Sting took the power bomb and they used the overhead camera over the ring and just shot him lying on the mat, that was great. But they, you know, sometimes just don't seem to use it at all or have no effective use for it. So, yeah, I'm just going to call out the director. And Nate, for the first time in a while, you actually sniped my delete. I told yes. Aaron, I, I told Aaron, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go off about this. So you talked about one aspect of it. And my I'm my other gonna... complaint was going to be the pacing. Would that have been... Uh, I, so I'm you right didn't now, put it in the doc either. So Nate Innocente, I mean, I I have to run setup here. So I basically boot up the doc right as we're going and making sure that 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 the moves are right for a, I, I, a. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just saying that I'm innocent. Oh no. Oh, that's fair. That that's fair. Uh, but just that on it wasn't just the camera shots because like I've talked about, it's like they have Keith Mitchell as the as the director. He's been he's been in the wrestling business since he was a cameraman for World Class. So almost 40 years at this point which is wild to think that but uh not having the microphone set up for the bad press conference segment like that it wasn't just like that there was like some like stage direction thing like people going in and out of each other's shots as they were like doing this like i remember that mostly in the lead up to uh, the uh, uh segment with paul white that it just was like you it, it, it's like a little things and I, I fully admit that as someone who works in production it does kind of get I, I fixate on these things and that was something that at the end of the day especially with all these casual, that like the idea that this whole entire show is presented as we're going to try to get casual fans at the start and we're going to keep on doing things that should keep like casual or people who don't usually watch wrestling but might know who chris jericho is so like, like you like you had the potential of this real huge audience here and i feel like that they were let down by the production on that side do you guys know about the uh, 2010 film Knucklehead? Starring Paul, yes. uh, the big show, White. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I didn't know about it until just now, but I'm really enjoying the uh, Wikipedia entry for it. Uh, spe I should have said, speaking of bad direction, and then did talked about Knucklehead. That would have been good. Missed opportunity. God, a lot of those on this episode. I, don't, I haven't seen Knucklehead. I did watch the one of the Triple H WWE Studios movies. Oh, the one that the dad's the convict that gets out of jail and turns out to be the chaperone? 
that yeah that i think that must be it the the i remember the movie poster because it's like him in front of a school bus and he's wearing like if you pull it might be called the chaperone actually i think it is yeah pull up the movie poster and check out the uh the breast pocket on his shirt and where it is in relationship to the rest of his body <laughs> that's a little treat uh also in that movie is the one and only uh michael rapaport for all of our rapapack listeners uh, and I distinctly remember in the immediate aftermath of this movie, Michael Rappaport went on the BS report with Bill Simmons and Bill Simmons asked him about working with Triple H. And then there was a very awkward cut in the audio and then they went to some other topic. <laughs> yeah. So his breast pocket is like on his shoulder. Oh, is that? I thought it was like in the middle of his chest. No, it's like up on his shoulder. You could like, there's like money sticking out of it. It's super, it's no normal place for a breast pocket. No, it's it's very strange. Yeah. Oh, Dennis Farina. I love Dennis Farina. Okay, Dennis Farina was in Knucklehead. I, I thought you were going to list off more names on that. No, I was looking that, at the so... chat. Okay. J-Pop shouted out Dennis Farina. Big fan. Uh, the, the only Farina. good Chicago cop, maybe. I, we could say that. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't have anything to add to that. So, uh, Mike, your delete pick for this week? Yeah, uh, th- this whole ladder match that they love having ladder matches for future title shots. They like having like something like this. It just like the match that was had between Ten and Max Caster was not a bad match. It just felt like why are we doing this to me? Like at the end of it, like it kind of went on pretty long. Then there was a interference finish. I mean, there's a lot of interfer- interference finishes on the show, by the way. But it, it it just was something that like, and it's important to like get these people like TV time and like this. But th- there's other ways they could have ha- featured Ten or Max Caster that wouldn't have like have implications to a pay per view match where that it for a pay per view match that really like frankly like so you get a TNT title shot and Cody's in it, but he said he doesn't want to challenge for the title anymore. It's just the the logic here is very frustrating to me. Yeah, the the interference finish mostly is what annoyed me about this because they had just done the exact same finish in the Tully Blanchard FDR six-man against the uh, Jurassic Express. Um, And then they just did it again here. It's like, yeah, no, we're going to have the heel win because some guy's going to come out, uh, you know, uh, from a surprising area and hit the other guy with a foreign object. And it was just the exact same finish. And, you know, interference finishes are WWE shit in the first place. So that was frustrating. I do, um, I guess I question the wisdom of putting this match on your big show where you're going to shoot 10 angles and have Shaq on the show and try and be like, hey, here's fucking Pac. He's big star. Hey, here's Chris Jericho. Hey, here's MJF. Hey, Matt Hardy's in our main event. Like you want to try and get some casual eyeballs. Like I, I, I guess I admire putting two young up and coming guys here where you're like, hey, here's our young stars. Um, you know, who you can see do some exciting stuff. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I like both these guys, but they didn't go out and have like a blow away. Hey, I'm, I'm the next guy up. You need to keep your eyes on me match. They had like a straightforward wrestling match with a fuck finish. So that doesn't seem to work toward your goal, in my opinion. I don't, you know, they did something else with Phoenix on this show, but maybe have Phoenix and uh, Lance Archer on this show. Be like, hey, here's a match that's going to be blow away, and you can count on it. Um, so yeah, that was that was a choice, I guess. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was bad. 
and they gave it a lot of time, as you said, for like a straightforward match. It wasn't like they pulled out a bunch of crazy spots and, you know, made it really exciting. It was just uh, whatever it was. And, you know, I talked about it. I think it was on on the show last week about like, oh, we can't have, you know, two women's matches, but we can have this on uh, on the show. So uh, pretty wild. Um, I'm just finding out that Ariel Winter is in the chaperone. I mean, <laughs> didn't realize she had been, um, you know, turned to stardom from this WWE films match. So the <laughs> films match. Was she, was she modern family? Is that what she was from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Reed Ewing. That's right. That's right. Okay, uh, my turn. Uh, The fucking Jericho MJF press conference, it was such a bummer because I was on this big high from that first match. I was like, oh, hell yeah, we're really, we're cooking. Although although then they did the weird thing where Shaq disappeared from the... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. I'm going to interrupt your delete again. Uh, What do we think that was about? I have no idea. Do we think that was just like Shaq's like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll do an ambulance spot and it'll take me out, but I'm not going to sell that much. So as soon as I'm in the ambulance, you got to show that I got up and got away. Yes, I think that's exactly what happened. Okay, that's pretty cool, I think. I think think that makes him cool. It's real Broser Brody energy, and I'm a big fan of that. It's starship for sure. There's no doubt about that. It did kind of make me think he was going to show back up at the main event, which didn't happen. Um, but I guess he just, he, he had, no, I can't go to the hospital. I have to be on inside the NBA tomorrow night, even though I don't want to be there at all. Yeah, he definitely was enjoying himself more being on this show than he ever has on inside the NBA. I think so. Okay, go on with your, your thing. Yeah, so I was excited after that. They brought this out. Uh, fucking, you had Barstool Sports represented and talked about on their television which sucked you had eric bischoff which sucks they were asking dumb questions and then the young buck kind of like okay this is gonna pick up and matt jackson cuts just one of the shittiest promos no way it was a good promo oh it was so bad this was a very good babyface promo like the novelty of having a baby face who comes out and is like, actually, you know what's, uh, you know what a good guy does? They're compassionate and they take care of people and they love each other. Uh, is like so novel in professional wrestling. And Matt Jackson also just sounds sincere when he speaks, even when he says these ridiculous things. So Matt Jackson promo strong. The rest of it, uh, yeah, not good. Imagine having someone do uh, that; those talking points, but good, but do it in a good way. I think that would have been I don't more have to imagine because I saw it earlier this evening. Oh, it sucked shit. It was it was in a in a segment that was really bad. The Matt Jackson part was the worst part. No of the way. Almost that, saved the segment. No, it had it had no chance. As uh, my friend Sean Thurman said in the listener delete, Young Bucks insults. I guess their dad did not give them everything. Fair point, Sean. I like the insults, too. Saying that he'd be curtain jerking in the performance center was a nice little zing. Um, the, I'll, I'll, I'll also give a pass to the one barstool sports guy that they had because he was on WWE TV last week. So that's funny just to poach him right away. So I'll give that a pass. Um, but the other guy, you know, who fucking needs it. I want. Is there a way to make this press conference gimmick work, do we think? Because, like, in Japan, nah. they do the press conferences all the time, but they also have a fake press that just writes right. pro wrestling stories and can do real questions that they, you know, keep in kayfabe, but we don't have that. So you can't get some guy from the Miami Herald to come and say, 
hey, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. So you have to get these fake actor personality podcast types, gross, uh, to do this stuff. And it just, yeah, it always just seems like a bad skit. It's like, I, I don't think you could do those segments in the West. It just was something that like, and they've had a hankering for do it since they, at the all out press conference, there was like the big pack and Adam Page uh, pull apart. So they were using actual media to be in a storyline thing, which I really hated and try to make sure that I could stay outside of camera shot the entire time. So I, I, it's just something that I don't think works. And then it went on forever. And then eventually we did get, get the traditional uh, go home show where Nick Jackson jumps off the top of the tunnel onto someone. So we got that at least. Maybe if you guys were bigger sports fans, you'd get it. I think that's really the, uh, I think that's the disconnect here. It's a sports thing, press conference, folks. Come on. I don't get what point you're making. I'm just here not to get fined. Exactly. Uh, I I, I, I don't think think press. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. You just have to, you have to give them, so you have to give them questions that don't feel the way you're talking. They, that aren't like this goofy shit to where it can, it can seem like a smart question that isn't in kayfabe, but without like blowing everything up, you know, or in the writing of the questions, I think. Yeah. And maybe just doing, doing the like podium. So it's like comic con style is not the right way either. Cause a real press conference, you know, the people are seated and they're there doing their jobs and not, like <laughs> all fired up about it to be on TV or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I would like to f- like figure out a way to solve it. Cause I think, uh, you know, press conferences in general are a useful storytelling device in pro wrestling. Like we've seen it in new Japan all the time that they do, you know, good character stuff and stuff by engaging with this fake press, but the way it's working. And, and it also, <laughs> maybe if it was anybody opposite these people besides Chris Jericho and MJF, it would, you know, have a different sort of flavor to it, but it's just, it, they don't work for me right now. Remember when they tried doing the, the one that was more like a press conference with Cody? Yeah. yeah. It was also bad. <laughs> it, it was bad, but, <laughs> but I can see that one maybe working better because it was pre-taped, not in the ring. Um, and you could have just people sitting there acting like we're at a normal press conference. Can't believe nobody's brought up. Uh, the mortgage guy or the Conradison Conrad. and all this talk. All right, let's get into the actual show. Of course, it kicked off with Shaq and Jade Cargill defeating Cody Rhodes in Red Velvet. Uh, Jade got the pinfall on Red Velvet. Then uh, we jumped right to Pac and Ray Phoenix defeating John Skyler and D3. Uh, Phoenix got the pin on Skyler. They just they kicked his poor little ass up and down Main Street. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Jericho and MJF. Press conference was next. We, we've talked about a lot of stuff already, folks. Uh, the Omega Mox hype video with Onita. And then FTR and Tully Blanchard defeated Jurassic Express. Tully pinned Luchasaurus with a spike pile, pile driver. That's always a hard word for me to say in my accent. Uh, after someone hit Luchasaurus, the someone turned out to be Sean Spears. Aaron, will you be going back to high school to do your fifth year of athletic eligibility? Uh, yes, I will be. Um, I think it's finally my time to shine. Um, I think you could do great um, in the javelin. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, like, what is a thing that like, okay, I'm 34 now. 
I am, you know, I'm not 120 pounds anymore. What is the thing, though, that you think I would have gotten better at in that period of time that I could, like, fuck up, you know, high school kids now? Mm. Is there in- literally anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to think that over. Um, oh, 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 Scholastic Bowl. Yeah, I thought of that. Um, I was definitely on on that team <laughs> in school because I'm a nerd. Uh, the Sean Spears coming back. Uh, Garrett Martin on Twitter was like, oh, they should put J.D. Drake with FTR. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Perfect spot for J.D. Drake. Would add something to this whole FDR act. Um, J.D. Drake would be a great fourth horseman now that they're doing the actual fourth horseman. Uh, but Sean Spears came back and um, he's back in the same with the same manager he was with before, so I don't really know what's changed for him. Oh, I guess they have another additional manager now, so they have they have two managers. Well, and he's blonde, and he's blonde. I mean, hair. You know, hair changes are important for showing character development. That's true. But yeah, I mean, if JD Drake was there, be way more into this act. I respect him for you know we already have FTR bald and we have FTR hair, and he went right <laughs> down the middle. I respect that. So JD JD Drake needs to be uh, FDR Afro Gray 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 Afro <laughs> Sure why not He's got it He still has a very nice hairline JD Drake So can probably grow it out That'd be good I, I think JD Drake could maybe make Sean Spears into a good tag team wrestler Ooh That's uh, a lot on on JD's back there. How much? Okay. <laughs> I mean, how much better than Sean Spears is Anthony Henry, really? I was really worried this is where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I a think pretty he... big Anthony Henry guy. I like Anthony Henry. Yeah, yeah I feel good. like there's a yeah. It, there's a clear delineation point. I feel like, like I feel like that Sean Spears has been the exact same thing forever, and Anthony Henry has improved, and I think he's leaps and bounds better than. Sean Spears. Leaps and bounds. Uh, Thoros points out that uh, podcasting is the thing that I could do better than than high school (laughs) students. (laughs) So bring it on. I can't be sure that's true. I do not listen to any high schoolers podcasts. (laughs) That's that's actually fair. Surely they're cooler than us. (laughs) Their podcasts are definitely more in touch with what the kids like. I mean, yeah, we we do a pro wrestling podcast, my man. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yikes that just that just occurred to me <laughs> yeah uh tony brings out paul white who is very happy to be here uh and he says that at revolution or evolution as he called it aw is going to debut a big time hall of fame level talent so get your get your predictions in now gentlemen i did a thread and it got like 60 replies or whatever and i oh, got wow. i got tired of babysitting it oh yeah you weren't on twitter i was I just was. like hey post your guesses smart that's that's good engagement yeah, when whenever big, we're approaching two thousand followers. So if you haven't followed us yet, get in under two thousand, or or else you're, we'll just consider you a, you a lesser quality follower. Yes, you will not be. What are the things going to be called? A super super follower, super What's follower, the... super followers. Yeah, where yeah, you're going to have to pay for our tweets. I guess <laughs> it's going to happen. Okay, but you didn't make a prediction. Do you have one? Um, no, I'll tell you some of the candidates. People were guessing uh, CM Punk. He was kind of. He was out there. Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, saw some uh, Christians, Mick Foley. Um, 
Some people are saying Adam Cole. I guess Adam Cole has a title match next week, so he's probably out. Uh, I mean, people are saying Ethan Page, but we have talked about Ethan Page potentially being in the ladder match, uh, maybe most frequently on the Patreon. Uh, I wouldn't think that Paul White would call him a Hall of Fame level talent, but you never know if Tony is overpromising. I was going to say, Paul is a stand-in for Tony Khan here. <laughs> um, I think that when he said like legend, I was kind of perplexed because why would you debut a legend at a pay-per-view at this point? other than like a big surprise for your customers when most of your money's coming from TV anyways. So like CM Punk, they'd want to have him on TV for his debut. They, they well, would you, wanna... If you do it on pay-per-view, then you get the benefits of both. Cause you, you say, Hey, pay 40 bucks to see him, to see who it is. And then when everybody finds out who it is, they say, Hey, turn on Wednesday. You got to see what CM Punk have to say. So you kind of get, you kind of get the double effect. Yeah. I mean, it brings me back for sure to being a kid following wrestling being like, oh shit, that's what happened on the pay-per-view. Like I have to tune in. Of course it was on Monday then. So it was a little different, but same deal. Okay. Well, we'll see. Uh, they did a video recapping the women's tournament and then uh, Leo Mizunami defeated Nyla Rose in the uh, final of the tournament with the guillotine leg drop. And then they had the Sheeta Mizunami face-off slash forearm exchange after the match. Too cold Scorpio was shattered out. Oh wow. He's he's still working. I mean, he could be he could both qualify as a potential Hall of Fame talent and a ladder match entrant if you want to go in that direction. True. I agree. Tony Schiavone's with Sting. Uh Sting says he found out two weeks ago he wasn't really ready when he got power bombed by Brian Cage, but he shook off all the extra rust. Now he's ready for a street fight. Uh, Ricky Starks come out, says he saw some fire from Sting that he hadn't seen before. He's man enough to admit that Sting still got it, but he's not an icon. He hits Sting. Sting comes back. He gives him the Stinger Splash. He puts him in the Scorpion Deathlock. Will Hobbs, Hook, try to make the save, but Hook gets fucking just thrown off. Very sad for Hook. Uh, and then Cage was going to powerbomb Sting again, but Darby made the save. Aaron, also, if uh, since you weren't on Twitter, I wanted to mention this. If you retweet Atsushi Onita right now, he will follow you. Oh, God, I got to so, do that. So Onita got in under the 2,000 follower mark, uh, both both on the E account and my personal account. Okay, I'm going to go retweet him right now. Oh, God, I just clicked the first person that was Onita, and it's Laura Onita, the retail editor at The Telegraph. Dude, smash that RT button. <laughs> That's a high-quality follow. Wait, what's Onita's Twitter account? Onita Fire One Two Three, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, found him. So yeah, be like, uh, be like at Sushi Onita. Follow at Everything AEW. Follow Epitasis. Uh, follow Aaron like the car, and Fuji Heya. It's F U J I I H E Y A. Since Aaron gave up on spelling it a long time ago, I uh, I've done the retweet. I'll let everybody know if he follows me. Um. Okay, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really have anything to say about this either, except that I'm now fascinated with the idea of any, like, real-life Brian Cage and Darby Allen interactions. Like, what do you think those are like? Wow. Uh, <laughs> probably very awkward to start. <laughs> uh, I don't know what uh, just like commonalities the two of them have together, I guess. So, that... that Imagining them lay out a, mount, a match and then hang out backstage for their match must be a real just, okay, we are two guys that are having this match together. We have no other interest in each other mood. 
Darby definitely strikes me as a guy who would just be like openly antagonistic to somebody like Brian Cage. <laughs> I mean, not, not hide the fact that he did not really want to talk to him. That could be true. Cage is an interesting case though, because it's you know he's been in with a lot of these guys for a long time. Hard to say. Hard to say. I, I guess. Well, no, I was going to say you have to imagine that Darby has some friends in wrestling, but. I think he did a recent interview where he was like, you know, some of these guys only have wrestling to talk about or whatever. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking do that. So I have no interest in it. Uh, that might be an unfair paraphrasing, but you have to seek it out. But he was mostly making the point that, um, you know, you have to have outside interests and passions and bring those to wrestling to remain interesting. Because if your only focus is wrestling, then you just kind of become boring, which is, you know, true of a lot of things. Yeah, you just kind of become FTR. Oh, oh. The, the game of Southern wrestlers. <laughs> Max Caster defeated Preston Vance. Jack Evans hit Vance with a boombox. Uh, Matt Hardy gave Jack an envelope. So that goes on with that story. Max Caster will be in your face of the revolution ladder match at Revolution, folks. We got a Miro pre-tape. Uh, he says, you know, unfortunately, it's just come down to this. He's going to have to destroy Charles. And then he says, everyone who's been waiting for Miro to stop playing games will finally get their wish. I'm hyped for this match. I didn't I didn't need any more build. Um, uh, you know, it's always nice to see a Miro tape because he's usually funny. But. Yeah, it was a good promo. I, th- I, I liked the idea of like cutting away partway through a preview of a pay-per-view to have. Miro just cut like a quick 30 seconds like I'm going to destroy you promo. I thought it came off pretty well. And then we had in the main event Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn uh, losing to Hangman Page and John Silver. Hangman pinned Mark Quinn. After the match Hardy attacked Page but the Dark Order made the save and then uh, I believe the idea was that all the tag teams that are going to be in this in this little gimmick uh, they brawled. Yeah the so this this had some highlights and I do like the idea of putting these guys in this main event spot to, to again, like for the casual viewer, be like, Hey, you know, Matt Hardy, you might've heard of hangman page as an up and coming star. And here's two other, you know, people you should be keeping your eye on. So I like that. Um, I think probably the 10 man would have been a better match because they're multi-man big, you know, uh, uh, clusterfuck matches that they do in this company are usually pretty good and have a lot of fun threads running through them. Uh, whereas this, like, the weird kind of pacing of the show kind of caught up with with us here, I think. And like, it just kind of petered out. And then, you know, the big everyone rushes the ring thing is kind of perfunctory, but you know, minor gripes on, uh, you know, a show that started off burning very brightly ended up, uh, you know, kind of petering out at the end. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, it, it, it was a not a bad match, but this was a match that was put into a main event that really feels like a second or third match on the show. And with how it was paced, like Nate said, very hard for me to get into it. I, I did like the fact that they started the Dark Order theme like way too early. And then everyone else just started running out until we got the Death Triangle theme. So I thought that was kind of funny. You are reminded when everybody rushes the ring, oh, there's fucking 600 people on this roster. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's, it's a big roster for two hours of television. Don't really need a new legend to sign up on Sunday, to be honest. No, hopefully, I mean, if it's Trish Stratus, who's going to do commentary on the new, uh, oh. you know, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of, you know, you would call like the 
the ladies version like after dark but we already have a dark so you can't it can't be aw dark after dark maybe it can but that'd be good the, yeah, the paul no. white for the women's division yeah paul uh i'm just calling him paul now i think that's cool uh our buddy paul he seemed like this was a good spot for him he wasn't like coming out there and talking about all the people he was going to beat up and all the titles he was going to win he just really wanted to give the hard sell for elevation and for the pay-per-view so i i think he's going to be a, a nice little presence to have around remind me of this in six months when he's like challenging Kenny uh, Omega yeah. for the title <laughs> well i mean I, that'd be a fun match to see i'm not going to pretend it wouldn't be fun to see kenny <laughs> omega versus uh big g tony, no, tony just said g right so yes. I just call you g Against G. Paul White, the big nasty bastard. Um, but yeah, no, it seems like he's primarily here to put over the YouTube talent. So hopefully that works. All right. Well, that was uh, the episode for this week heading into Revolution. Uh, if you want to support the show, if you like our show, head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. It's one of the best months you could possibly subscribe because, of course, it's a pay-per-view month. So uh, this week on Monday, we did a retrospective looking back at last year's revolution and did an in-depth preview of this year's revolution. We had a ton of women's tournament coverage uh, Sunday and Monday. We had shows on the women's tournament. Uh, and the, you know, the big thing, I guess, for this month is we'll be doing the live revolution instant reaction on Sunday. So make sure you sign up uh, for that. Uh, but of course, we had a ton of other stuff. We literally are going to have, I think, five shows on the Patreon feed this week. So check those out. Join our Discord. Listen to this show live. Uh, and, you know, a, a, a key to that is even if you can't listen live, if you subscribe on the $8 tier, you get the, the YouTube archive until the show goes up on the main feed. So you still got time to listen to it uh, before it goes up. So do that. Head over to Patreon.com slash everything elite okay they did not announce any matches for next week so we don't know anything that'll be on the show next week uh, i'll quickly run down the revolution card and if anybody has anything to add to our preview from uh the patreon we can get into that uh the a new match announced for the buy-in thunder rosa and riho versus Britt baker and rebel we didn't know about that one when we recorded so any thoughts on the new buy-in match I think Tony also teased that Rebel might still be injured from her interaction with Nyla Rose. So mm. in which case Britt would be able to replace her with a partner oh. of her choosing. Um, Is that going to be Trish Stratus? <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're going to debut Trish in the buy-in pre-show <laughs> and then Paul White's going to announce her signing later in the evening. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I don't know. Like, it's I, a, you know, how many times can I complain about how much time they get? I don't know. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> Miro and Kip versus Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor, which, you know, that's uh, gotten a little shot in the arm tonight. Uh, the Casino Tag Team Royale. And so are Phoenix and Pac now in this match? Yes. Okay. Well, that that adds a lot although again mm -hmm. two people i would rather see if we're gonna have a ladder match two people i would rather see in that match than in this match but uh this is cool especially if they win because young bucks versus these guys is a very fun match that'd be a tremendous match <laughs> and it's something that i feel like them entering it instantly makes them the favorite in the match so yes. it'll be interesting to see how it plays out uh the money match two 
Matt Hardy versus Hangman Page for uh, the loser's Q1 earnings. And I did like, I will give Matt Hardy credit for this, of his promo after the match saying it was a setup to get Matt Hardy an extra win so his earnings would be more. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Yeah. That was good. All right, the Face the Revolution ladder match. The winner gets a shot at the TNT title. Our entrants are Cody, Scorpio Sky, Pentagon, Lance Archer, Max Caster. I've got Lance Archer twice, so there's some... Oh, there's a surprise entrant. That's right. That's it. That's all of them. Uh, <laughs> the women's title match, Hikaru Shida versus Leo Mizunami. The tag team titles, Young Bucks versus Chris Jericho and MJF. Uh, the street fight with Cage, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks versus Darby Allin and Sting. And the main event, the exploding ring barbed wire match for the men's world title, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Where are we at our level of excitement going into this show? Feeling pretty hyped for it. I'm more hyped today than I was when we recorded the other day. So yeah, that's about yeah. where you want to be. Yeah, it's something where I feel like that there's some superfluous matches like the Battle Royal and the ladder match, but... You know, I'm more hyped than I was before watching the Crossroads edition. I think that they did a lot of things to get most of these uh, matches on the pay-per-view more over. So I thought that, so, so I think I'm more enthusiastic than I was before. Yeah, like my complaints about the Battle Royal and Ladder Match are like structural things where it's like, oh, I mm-hmm. just didn't have to cram those in all the time. But in actuality, like Battle Royals are fun and they book really good battle royals. So when it comes up on pay-per-view, I'm going to be like, oh, this is going to be good. And then I'm going to be excited for it. Right, Aaron? Yeah, well, it's also a good way to break up a a pay-per-view, right? Where it's like you don't just want long, intense singles and tag matches one after another, one after another. It's good to throw these in. So, I mean, frankly, in a battle royal, you can kind of take a little bit of a break. You don't have to be as zoned in on it. Um, And you can kind of wait and see how it shakes out in the end. Uh, but yeah, it's just good to break up the monotony. So I'm, I, I mean, I have an awful memory, just very bad brain, but this is as excited as I can remember being about a pay-per-view, at least in the COVID era. I don't remember being more excited about one. Yeah, I think I'm the same. I think that that's, I'm thinking double or nothing over exceeded my expectations. Uh, all out was not a good show. And then full gear, like there's things I was excited for, but I'm looking on, I'm looking towards the card right now, and was at least five or six matches on this show that I'm very hyped for. So I'm totally with you on that, Aaron. Yeah, let's get it. And we'll be here uh, live immediately after the show to talk about it. So sign up for the Patreon and join us. And uh, that's it. I guess that's the whole show. We don't really have anything else to talk about. So make sure, like at Sushi Onita, you're following us on Twitter, at Everything AEW. Be like Onita. That's always good advice. Uh, you can find me at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, yeah. Nate, you don't agree that it's always good to be like at Sushi Onita? No, I was going to try and tie it into his various sex scandals, but I couldn't find an easy way in there. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review if you use the Apple Podcast app. I, By the way, I just found out that uh, some very just terrible miserable people have been giving one star reviews to my joshi podcast so also go and give good reviews to that podcast <laughs> jumping bomb audio folks. is that because you're too harsh on on rossi ogawa yeah when you talk badly about star not even badly when you're just like eh, this startup show wasn't as good they lose their fucking minds yeah you, you've you've found a uh whatever the opposite of a sweet spot is where 
<laughs> the the Joshi casual normie gen pop uh, thinks you're too hard on the most popular promotion, and then the super uh, grognard <laughs> Joshi nerds uh, have not found you yet because they're you know learning Japanese so they can you know just translate their own articles or whatever. Okay, I feel like you're personally attacking me for some reason uh, with that final comment. <laughs> um, no, I know that you're you're learning Japanese for uh, less nerdy and uh, more perverse things, so you're fine. <laughs> yes, um, only so that when in, when I'm in Japan next time and I get the Nate treatment and a nice young woman comes and puts her <laughs> arm in my arm, I'll be able to have a conversation with her. That's really no, her English was good. <laughs> Yeah, but you just can't you can't match, you know, in that in that native language, you sure. know, hearing what they what they really have to say to you. Okay, but yeah, that's all true. Uh, but yeah, so help me out, go do that, please. I would appreciate <laughs> it. Um, it's like they, they can't have known me before. It's like you really think I wouldn't talk shit about the most popular promotion. Uh, that's all we do. Yeah, well, on, it's on. like the, the perception of this show when we started was like, oh, they're all in the tank for AEW. It's like, do you realize last time this podcast existed, the promoter that ran the promotion it was about, uh, you know, called and threatened them over the phone and accused them of betraying the promotion. It's like, fucking get a grip. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, patreon.com slash everything elite. I'll just throw that in there one more time uh, for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.